Hello and welcome to ASM Connected, the podcast brought to you by ASM Technologies. In this episode, our account director Stephen Dale is back, this time with Elizabeth Lucas, who is a channel partner executive at Jamf. The episode is packed with insights into their work alongside Apple and what they're doing to bring families affected by the coronavirus together. They also discuss why it's important to switch off from the media every now and again with some fascinating anecdotes from Elizabeth's travels. Before we get into this episode, Stephen is going to tell us a little bit more about Jamf and why we partner with them at ASM. Jamf are very much, in my view, a niche business. They're the best in their niche and they've always been an innovative company. And what I like about Jamf's business is it's based on bringing efficiencies to their customers. And that's a massive shared focus that ASM have with Jamf for very different reasons. We also bring efficiencies to our customers and Jamf's technology does the same. So I think that's why we get on quite well as companies. Thanks for that, Stephen. You can definitely see why we love partnering with Jamf. For those that don't know, Jamf are a software company specializing in Apple device management. They've been a strategic partner with us for quite a long time now. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Now, I did want to ask Elizabeth, is it Jamf or is it Jamf? Because I've heard it said both ways. Hopefully you can clear that up. Yeah, totally. Firstly, thanks for the great introduction. But it's it's Jamf. We hear Jamf. I wonder if the company before my time was Jamf. I know that we've had not different spellings, but at one point we were Jamf all in capital letters and all sorts of different things. So we hear Jamf sometimes, but it is Jamf. Excellent. Do you know the origins? Where's where's it come from as a name? Oh, this was brought up to our CEO and our two co-founders. And I think they retrospectively came up with some interesting meanings for it, but actually it didn't it didn't mean anything. And I think it was either a random word or random letters strung together to make the name of the company. So I don't think it has a specific meaning. Although, like I said, I think a few people have come up with retrospective ideas for that. I guess that's a modern convention or naming convention to have sort of random words. So it, it possibly gives an indication of the age of the business. Do you, when was the business founded? The business was founded in 2002. So we've been going for quite some time now, although I've only been at Jamf for the last year. So it's quite interesting actually working with some partners and some people who are really experienced in the Apple game they tend to know a lot more about the history of the company than I do. And I even learned some amazing things about Jamf from them. And when the company was slightly smaller and they used to be really involved in a user conference, you know, we've always built up a great community around us. And so it's great speaking to people who say, oh, I've been working with Jamf for 15 years and I used to know these people. And I think, oh, this is great. <laughs> you know more about it than I do. So that's always good fun. But 18 years now, so it was our 18th birthday two days ago, which is really cool. Well, happy birthday, happy, happy, yeah! Happy birthday! I did. I didn't realise it had been going that long, but obviously Apple's been popular for longer than that as well, so that makes sense. I get asked quite a lot where the name comes from, so I've started to even build it into some of my presentations because ASM is a combination of the letters of the surnames of our founding two directors, so oh. Graham Aspinall, Roger Smith. You overlap the letters and you get that ASM, and the reason I explain that to people is one, because they ask, but it's really important to us that we've got sort of the two founding directors. They're still in the business. It's an owner-managed business, and that's what gives us that agility to do what we do. So it lets people know where the name comes from, but it tells a bit about the company as well. And I think we were formed in the 90s when sort of three-letter acronyms were the popular naming mm -hmm. convention. Our yeah. initial customers were companies like IBM and DEC. So we probably followed along with that, and it's stood the test of time pretty well. I, I think if um, if the more modern naming conventions were used back in the 90s when, when ASM was founded, we might have been called Hacienda as a business or, or Happy Mondays. Which would have been pretty cool. And I think Happy Mondays is actually an excellent name for a company. Yeah, I bet you there's a company out there called that or I'm sure a cafe somewhere. Probably, probably. But yeah, <laughs> so so that's why I asked you, because I, I thought it was interesting where it comes from. 
just moving along, we've got a loose agenda. We might go off in different directions, but it's it's good to have a plan. So everybody's talking about lockdown. I'm going to be asking you about that. Then hopefully we can uh, learn about some of Jamf's use cases and some of the great stuff you're doing in the healthcare sector at the moment. It's also mm. very topical. And that should hopefully lead us into talking in general about device management, communication, and, and what that sort of future maybe looks like based on what Jam for doing and then hopefully we'll have some time left to ask you about some of your travel adventures and how you've maybe brought those experiences into into your career yeah totally good so before that I'll ask you a, a sort of an easy uh, warm-up question and I, I know that you well traveled during lockdown if you could choose to have been in any other country throughout this period where would you choose that is a good question. And we almost actually got locked down in Spain. <laughs> it was just after we returned going and seeing my other half, Joss, his family, his brother and uh, his wife and kids live out there. And we've gone to visit them as we do a few times a year. And it was we came back and within a, a week and the UK had gone into lockdown and, and so had Spain. So we very nearly got locked down in Spain and Joss was all for it because it's beautiful there. It's the south of Spain, just outside of Malaga, a place called Alarin. And they have, you know, a lovely big garden, a nice big house, although they'd only just bought it. So I was sleeping on a six-year-old's mattress there. You know, it was just, it was lovely, lovely food, great company, of course, and great weather. But as I was thinking, of, you know, because we were thinking about it out there and I was, I was just thinking, we're really, it was really rural, the place that we were in, and there wasn't really much to do apart from be in the house. I, you know, there's only so long I can sleep on a six-year-old's mattress and things like that. So I was thinking about it and I said to Joss, you know, I really like the shops that we have around us, the food shops, the grocery shops. A lot of them are moving towards that kind of plastic-free living which is great they're all local businesses which we wanted to support so and I love food and I love Spanish food but I, I love the food that you can get in London it's so diverse and so in all honesty thinking about it back then London was where I wanted to be because even though you were we were locked down not as as um, locked down as Spain was we could still go to those shops and and you know eat some some amazing food which when there's not much else to do you do a lot of <laughs> and drink a lot of wine it seems to be in Britain so I really enjoyed being in London and then the weather got great here so that was nice although it did I did struggle with some of my morning runs when it got really hot and my hay fever flared up but in all honesty I don't know that I would have wanted to be anywhere else there's no, as there's much no as place the like home <laughs> yeah there's no place like home or maybe if I was super rich and I had like you know big mansion with a massive pool and I could have loads of other people locked down with me <laughs> then maybe I would want to be somewhere else but yeah I think at home with Joss I had two little rabbits I had a great time so that's yeah that familiarity is a good thing I suppose when when things are a bit strange and people are under pressure you want to be at home you want to be where this from this familiar so yeah that that yeah. makes that makes sense I mean I was thinking about maybe I'd like to have a look at where the least or zero cases of the virus were and that might have been a quite a nice place to to be locked down but yeah yeah now I'm there uh, I, I agree with you that home home is is the best place to be and yeah we were lucky with the weather so mm. Speaking about lockdown, it's a while since I've seen you. I think it was January, beginning of the year in yeah. Manchester. Yeah, seems yeah. seems a long time ago now. And obviously we talk about Jam throughout the business because we're still doing some great stuff together. And I've heard some rumours that your lockdown situation was quite interesting. Um, there's a bit of a story there. What What happened? What was the situation? I am not sure what that alludes to. <laughs> you don't know what I've been talking about. So um, I believe you got a bit of a plan together and kind of chose a, your lockdown oh. bubble and who was involved. Do you know what? That is, I totally forgot about that because it feels like so long ago. When lockdown first happened, when was that, March? That's nuts. Yeah. And I totally, totally forgot because things have evolved since then. But what we decided to do 
my other half, Joss, lived in or lives in a shared house. And I decided that we're in the house buying process at the moment, but decided that for uh, lockdown, I would stay with him. And also because we'd both just come back from Spain. So to ensure that my family was safe, I went and lived with him. And in his house is uh, one of his best friends, uh, well, two of his best friends uh, that live there as well. And one of them, their girlfriend decided to isolate as well. So there was five of us in the house. It's, it's a big house big garden that we'd we'd all been doing up actually over the last year with some planters and stuff so eating some of our own veg was really cool but there's quite a lot of people and at first the first couple of days people weren't really sure what was going on and we were kind of keeping to ourselves and keeping out of each other's way but we all realized that we were starting to get a bit lonely you know it's nice going into an office and seeing loads of people and catching up on things outside of your home and and what's going on there so we all realized we were missing that quite a lot and so we set up um like a co-working space I suppose so it was in the conservatory and we set up screens you know pretty much like you would do in an office so we had three or four of us would be in there and then in the living room just next door would be the conference call room or like the meeting room, I suppose, that you would have in a traditional office. And so anyone that was on a conference call would go in there. I'm guessing everyone went through the same thing that I did. And it started off with a few. We were on WebEx then. We've just moved to Zoom, actually. But, you know, it started off with a few calls and then eventually it turned into everyone was just consistently on back to back zoom calls all day every day so it was really great while it started it also got very hot and conservatories are basically like a big greenhouse right so we were all (laughs) sitting in there absolutely sweating and then we had a big industrial fan because joss is an event producer so he always had these weird and wonderful wacky things from events that he'd worked on it's big industrial fan you know really really loud so it ended up not being not being too ideal and if I was you know I would had many days where I was you know on phone calls for about six hours of the day and sitting in the living room on the sofa and then I was propping (laughs) propping up my mac on the coffee table with loads of board games Ticket to Ride is a great one if anyone uh, wants some suggestions. Uh, Ticket to Ride and Splendor propping my Mac up so that I didn't hurt my back too much. So it ended up, we we iterated and now there'll be maybe one or two people in there. Usually the two, uh, Headley does coding. So usually Headley and, and Joss now, obviously there aren't any events at the minute, but he makes music as well. So those two, because they're not really on calls, tend to sit in the conservatory now. So it's still kind of a co-working space. And I've got the bedroom all to myself and the big desk in there. So (laughs) that's good fun because I'm on so many calls. But yeah, we kind of set it up a bit like an office and it was nice. The kitchen was like a kitchen you'd have in the office where everyone would be around at lunchtime and, and, and you could talk and stuff like that. So it was nice to have a big group of people around and to to you know so you weren't too lonely I think that's the biggest thing it can get very very lonely when you aren't socializing with people outside of your home that you normally would so it was nice to have those other people around wow you were you've got it so sorted uh, I can see pros I can see pros and cons in it though because it's yeah. great you've had you've had this you had the sort of foresight and the time to to think right let's let's put something together mm. it's like a pop-up micro community replicating some of the bad elements of of a of a not very nice office um just to keep it real (laughs) but I I, I can't imagine given a short amount of time to choose five other people to lock down with five other members of the family is is one thing let alone friends as well so Mm. I'm glad that worked out for you I think most most people were just like a rabbit in the headlights around that time and you know they were wondering if they had enough toilet roll to last them rather than yeah. what their co-working space might look like so yeah it, might, it, it makes my uh stand-up camping table in the spare bedroom sound like a really rubbish story so well, uh, you know what I think that sounds delightful as well and having I've I've spoken to a few other people that have done tried to create standing desks and another friend of mine is also a coder so you can imagine right that's literally just sat at the computer all day so the way he went about it is he just cleared a shelf that was about kind of waist height I suppose <laughs> and and he put him his laptop on the shelf and literally just worked from there um from time to time and he said that was people always wondered where on earth he was when um 
when he was on video calls because they just couldn't quite work out where, you know, the positioning of the the laptop. It looked like he was inside the wall or something. So, but the camping table's great. I'm honestly going to Google camping tables after this because I am a bit tired of sitting down. That's innovation. Using a shelf as a a desk is, it's right there. You know, that's, that's what we're trying to do, innovate. And it begins with ideas like that. So that's probably a good place for us to move on, actually, and um, talk about some of that innovation and and what Jamf are are doing out there. Obviously, we all know that the industry's sort of changed massively and rapidly. And I'm I'm quite proud to be a part of the IT industry that's playing a big role in in this whole situation. It's a terrible situation. We all wish it it sort of hasn't happened. There's lots of sad stories, mm-hmm. but the IT industry's kind of got together and become really significant in terms of mobilizing the workforce, keeping people communicated. So yeah, it, it's great that we can take some positives from a bad situation. And there's some great stories coming out of, of it from the IT industry. And I know I've been following what you've been doing in the healthcare sector been a lot Mm. of posts on LinkedIn you know I wonder if you could tell us sort of how that's going and 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 what that involves yeah totally and you know to your point on innovation I'll absolutely talk about what we're doing at the moment which is a shining example but the way that it came about I think really is a true testament to Jamf as a company and not just as a company but our CEO and the individuals at Jamf who are always trying to rally together to do what's right for our customers. Weirdly, I was watching our HR recruiting video yesterday (laughs) and, you know, people were talking about that on the the video, this constant ambition to make sure that what we're doing is not centered around technology. It's centered around the people that are using it. And that's very, very similar. I used to work at Apple for three and a half years. It's exactly the same. Everything is designed, whether it's the hardware or the software that runs through it, everything is designed with the users in mind. How are we going to enhance their experience? How are we going to help them? If we look at healthcare as a whole, actually, there's so many different really cool things that we've done with healthcare over the last few years. And all of them start with a very similar journey. So we we do more work in the US, although it's really starting to pick up with our, our new functionalities in the UK because of private healthcare over there. Our CEO is a very, very receptive, very open man, Dean Hager, and he's always trying to help our customers as well. And he's always engaging with our customers, which is, is amazing to, to hear. And hospitals reached out to um, to him, or I think we came across an opportunity back when, this was before my time, so I'm not the best person at telling the story, but we came across a hospital who were looking to deploy a tablet of some kind into patient bedside so that they could use it for entertainment, connecting with their families, you know, as a personal device when they were in the hospital, as well as getting at, gaining access to their records and things like that. But what they couldn't figure out is when that patient gets discharged who at the hospital are we going to give the job of wiping that ipad because that's a big i mean it sounds simple but that's actually a really big task and there's not a person in the hospital already who has the time to do that we could look at the nurses but the nurses are already busy taking care of the health of the customer What about the IT team? Well, the IT teams are usually smaller. They're usually central. They're not walking around the wards and able to do that. We heard what was going on um, with this hospital and team, you know, we've got an extensive team of developers. We're obviously completely dedicated to the Apple platform, which gives us some agility when we're innovating. They built something called Healthcare Listener. And it was just something so profound that so many different hospitals um, are using it. And we're starting to see it be used here now that we have more of those almost one-to-one deployments with patients. What Healthcare Listener does is it listens, as it says, to the traffic on the clinical system. So most hospitals use, I can't remember the name of the system, these systems that says when patients come into the hospital and when they're discharged or when they're moved, because they might move from ward to ward, bed to bed, depending on what they're in for. Jamf listens to that traffic and can set up or reset and wipe a device depending on if a patient has come in or is leaving. So you're looking after the privacy and security of that patient by making sure that the iPad has been wiped of you know everything they were using it for and is ready for the next patient. So 
what did you we call it almost like a digital sterilization of the device I love that phrase it sounds so good (laughs) Um, (laughs) and so that was kind of one of the not one of the first things but one of the biggest things we did in terms of healthcare innovation so the reason I bring it up is I think and I know you you want to ask about what Jamf is doing in the future and where we're going and where we're innovating. We're, we're similar to Apple. I haven't got a clue. <laughs> um, we're not told, you know, we, we like to work on things before we shout about them. But if anything, it will be what the customer needs and what the customer wants. That's why we developed our new functionality which came off the back of, again, it started in the US, hospitals reaching out to Dean on LinkedIn and saying, we are desperate for your help. Do you think you can help us? We've got patients that we're taking in with COVID-19. We have very strict rules in the hospitals. We cannot let family members come in and talk to them. Some of them are going into a coma state before they sadly pass away. So a really, really, you know, coronavirus itself has been a horrendous time for everyone. But I hadn't even considered what it would be like if a family member um, was in hospital and was so ill that they were going to pass away, but you didn't have any way of communicating with them before that happened, which when you actually think about it is a horrible, a horrible, horrible thing for people to have to go through. And they said, look, is there any way we've got these devices? Surely there's a way we can connect patients and of course there's there's loads of different ways that they can and they could get patients to set up all different accounts and passwords and things like that but a lot of them were in a state where they couldn't do that or that was a faff and and you know nurses couldn't do that either so we had a team internally who took that um, problem and and went about solving it and they came up with this amazing new workflow which is called virtual visits and we've got loads of information about it online we've got some trusts now in the UK so St George's you probably saw me resharing their post they've got 90 iPads in there connected so many patients with families and also they've connected clinicians to patients remotely as well and that's really important for a few reasons but we built this workflow and we've integrated with a few different video conferencing apps so zoom and teams teams is used um, quite widely in the uk across um, hospitals and i think we're working on cisco webex as well but the idea behind it is that an ipad um, is deployed remotely because you can use you know the underlying mdm framework of jamf which is what we were founded on managing devices deploying them remotely you know that zero touch deployment thing grown into so much more so device deployed a nurse can pick it up out of the box it's configured so that you would click one button which opens up um, a new field that says you can start a meeting for that individual put in there so that patient's family or next of kin whoever they're wanting to speak to email address or addresses we work with the um, video conferencing app that then generates a random meeting link So for privacy reasons, that's super important. That gets sent out to the family. The family and the patient can have their conversation in the moment. And then the meeting gets closed and that that random meeting link um, can either be deleted there nor can be deleted where the next call goes ahead um, with another patient. And we've got various different workflows without going into it too technically, depending on if that patient is owning that iPad until they are discharged or if it's one iPad that's just being used for this one purpose across loads of different patients, all with security and privacy of the patients and the families at the other end in mind. But the way that that then iterated is doctors were... I mean, it's, you know, we all know that there is a huge lack of PPE in a lot of hospitals, and that was a massive problem. And drawing from some experience I had last year, it wasn't coronavirus related, but unfortunately, I picked up two tropical, (laughs) tropical diseases while I was cycling through Sierra Leone. But they suspected that I might have one that was a lot more contagious um, and uh, lethal. So I got isolated. And every time a nurse wanted to come into my room, so let's say I, I pressed the button and I had a question, can I have some more painkillers some anti-sickness stuff, some water, anything even as basic as those questions, the nurse would have to get dressed for about 15 minutes in the kind of like vestibule bit between the room that I was in and the corridor come in I would ask a question she would then have to get undressed and out of all of the PPE and another nurse would have to watch them do it to make sure they did it correctly 
And that's 30 minutes just so that she could go and grab a glass of water for me. So an insane amount of time that's being wasted, you know, nurse time that is, you know, was being wasted and there must be a way to improve this system. And there absolutely is. So that exact same method that we just spoke about could be applied to clinicians where they have an iPad. They can pick a ward, a bed within the ward or however the hospital is designed. And it can they can start an interaction with the patient in that bed remotely. So they don't have to get up in their PPE gear to do their you know, I was visited and I don't know what it's like for coronavirus, but for when I was in the hospital, I would have the doctors came around like or consultants came around twice a day. I would have other various different roles. I can't even remember them all. I was in a bit of a daze, but various different people coming in and checking in and asking questions where they didn't have to be right next to me. So all of those different problems can be solved by using this remote virtual visits workflow, which kind of does what it says in the tin and save time and PPE when we're having a shortage crisis as well. So amazingly cool I've kind of tried to talk about it and I'm honestly not the best person but I have to say that one of the reasons I love working at this company and one of the things that inspires me to do better is seeing my company react to what's going on in the world to what our customers want to what family members of our employees and customers want and take time and dedicate themselves to solving those problems so that they can help people have a positive time in what is otherwise a a very hard and painful time for everyone at the moment so a bit of a journey there because we're you know we're constantly innovating and we're constantly doing more than just mobile device management I think mobile device management is something that we we can do you know we've been doing it for years we know what it is but we're taking it that step further and we're building solutions for customers now What do you need and how can we help you get there is a question that we're constantly asking our customers. So super cool stuff we've got going on in healthcare. There's some amazing trusts that have done some some work with virtual visits and it absolutely warms my heart hearing back from those trusts and from the families who we've been able to connect to patients in, in hospitals. I just think it's absolutely amazing. I could not be prouder to work at JAMP at the moment. That's fantastic. It, it, no, it comes across. Obviously, you're really passionate about it. But what? So many good layers to that story. So, first thing, obviously, that that customer centric sort of think about the people first. I think out there in the technology sector at the moment, those companies that are designing solutions around the user experience first, yeah, are the ones that are having the most success at the moment, making it easy for people and solving sort of you know, real problems and, and making life easier for people. And and you're obviously doing that. The other thing I like about this is it's so simple, you know, communication, that sort of technology, if it's doing anything well, it's solving communication problems. Yeah. And it's, ne- it's never more important than obviously the, the medical terrible situations that people are in. So I think that's fantastic. And I think it's great how I'm not technical. Uh, You've said a few times, you know, you're not, you don't quite know how it's working in the background, but do you know what? It's better to talk about how we're applying this technology in a way that people can understand. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of inventions that are highly technical and they almost, they're either a luxury rather than a necessity or they solve a problem that doesn't necessarily exist where what what you're doing thinking about the people first then designing the solution around it is really really helpful and I I totally love the simplicity of it Mm. the the other thing I was going to say is we talk a lot about digital transformation at the moment it means different things to different people everyone's talking about how we're in that accelerated state of transformation at the moment And I think a lot of the technology you're talking about that's been put to use probably existed, maybe not in exactly the same format, but it's that application of the technology that is part of that transformation. And and you've bolted sort of probably some of your own existing products and capabilities together to solve this problem, which I think is great. And the other thing I've been talking about or reading about recently in this digital transformation journey 
is the ethical side of it, this whole privacy being monitored and storing of data. So everyone's rushed to, to get these solutions about working from home and communicating in different ways. But we've got to be careful as an industry that the privacy and ethics side keeps up with that. But as, as you've explained, that's very much part of your solution, that, that sensitivity of the information that's personal to people and what happens to that iPad and data afterwards. So it sounds as if as a company, you're very much thoughtful around that aspects of things anyway. Oh, totally. And I think that is because we are so ingrained with the Apple ecosystem. And that is what Apple are all about. How can we enhance user experience whilst also protecting our users? You know, even before I started working at Apple, I was one of those people like, oh, I don't think they do, you know, do what they say they do. But when you work there, you realize how seriously it is taken, um, whether that's you as an employee or just you as an Apple user. You know, we absolutely, you know, we only support the Apple ecosystem and we totally believe in that too. And I think it's so important for people at the moment to have their privacy protected in ways, sometimes even in ways where they don't even know that it needs protecting. So I think it's being part of that Apple ecosystem and believing in the same values that Apple has um, for us as a company um, as well. One of the things I'll mention, you mentioned about the, the technology being around and it's the way you apply the technology. And I would say it's also the way that you combine technology. I think a fantastic example of this is Apple working with other companies for like COVID um, tracking at the moment, you know, big companies who wouldn't normally get together, getting together to help um, for the greater good of the nation. And I think that's really, really important is let's all work together so that all the different pieces of technology was there apart from, you know, some workflows that we had to build. Um, so there was, was some things that needed building, but the underlying components of it were there. And it just meant let's connect with these companies and let's all work together, combine our technologies to make an even more powerful technology for these people. So, yeah, I, I think um, it's important to to remember the what the working together bit, I think, is just absolutely crucial at this point. We must all work together if we really want to um, make the world a better place. And do it, you know, get organized, do it quickly. That's that's basically yeah. what's been forced. Now, the funny thing with that is that's a little bit like your lockdown situation. You know, if you get organized, you get the people together and working together, you can make a success out yeah. of it. So that's that's quite a, a, an interesting um, serendipity, the tie in between the two. Uh, so you, you've covered that you're not necessarily the futurist of the business and that a lot of things that are coming down the line are top secret. But I have conversations around these innovative products and I'm trying to link it to device management, but obviously there's an overlap with the IOT, all these things and devices that are out there that might need deploying and setting up. And I'm thinking of the Apple smartwatch, future plans maybe around smart glass and window panes and worktops and various other bits. I can see Jamf playing a big role in that area of growth. Is is that something you've seen in a business setting yet? It's like smart watches. It's a great idea. It's a little bit novel. But are you seeing any use cases in, in the business sector around that kind of product? So I'm not, you know, you brought up some really interesting ideas there. And I think the for where Jamf comes in, the, the main thing is if Apple um, builds a management framework within a product, then we will support a product that you can manage it with, if that makes sense. So, you know, in the Apple Watch, there's not that framework at the moment. And so we we don't manage those. But if they did design and build things for business and meant that, and, you know, allowed a business to manage aspects of that device, we would totally, well, I presume, again, I cannot speak on behalf of the company, but I would presume that Jamf would um, build something for that. Grow, I mean, Apple, you know, the Apple Watch generally in business, since, you know, working with the channel at Jamf, I haven't seen any of that. But when I was at Apple, we mostly saw businesses deploying Apple Watch for the health and well-being of their employees. 
And I think that's really important. So I've got an Apple Watch with Jamf and we we run programs like Close the Rings Challenge, which is um, on an Apple Watch, you've got three rings. One is making sure you stand up enough times during the day you're not sat down all the time. One is you should be doing at least 30 minutes of some kind of exercise every day. And another one is roughly how many active calories you should burn based on some of your metrics. And we run these Close the Rings Challenge and it gets you with a group of other people. So I'm in with some people I don't normally talk to on a daily basis, which I love and I've loved getting to know them because you do when you talk to people, you know, more regularly about come on, you know, go for a run or, you know, encouraging each other to be healthier, I suppose. And I've seen that application. I saw that application across a few businesses when I was at Apple for that very reason. And businesses deployed it in very different ways. Some was around, you know, if you close your rings enough times, we'll give it to you for free or you might be able to buy some of it, all kinds of different things. Even some health insurance companies do that for consumers. So I've seen that application. So more about this is definitely becoming more important, which I'm super grateful for, especially if I talk about my parents to how it was when they started working, is the health and well-being of your employees, because your employees are the heart of your business. And in fact, if you didn't have any employees, you would have no business. So you need to look after them. You need to make sure that they're okay. And so the Apple Watch can absolutely help them do that. In terms of digital transformation and applying new technologies, I've got no idea. I've always thought, wouldn't it be cool if I could get into my office building with my Apple Watch? But I don't know if that's possible. I know there's the NFR and the iPhone that you might be able to use, but you know, smart buildings, smart cities, that kind of stuff is super cool. <laughs> I haven't seen businesses applying it yet, but I'd love to see someone do it. Yeah, I expect Apple, you know, if it's going to happen, Apple will probably be a part of it. And it's interesting what you said about that medical use case around an Apple Watch. It'll be interesting to see what technology comes from them in that space on the back of what's going on at the minute, because that that sort of remote digital Medicare type thing is is obviously a, a significant growing sector. Mm-hmm. So interesting as well that you, you follow along the coattails of Apple, you know, it's okay to say that. Why why try and outrun or outdesign and innovate a company like that? I think it's a, a fantastic genius business model to say, look, whatever you're doing, we're going to be there right behind you, ready to manage it, ready to deploy it. And there can't be many people that Apple let into that that inner circle. You know, you spoke about how you put these different pieces of technology together quickly and work as teams and work closely with Apple. I don't know if you know the story, but how do you get in the Apple inner circle? They're such a secretive sort of closed off organization. So I think people think we're in an inner circle, but we're really, we're actually not. We've obviously got a close relationship with Apple. So many of us used to work there even, but we have, this is a common misconception. Everyone asks me this all the time, but we have the same level of access that other people do when we're designing and building things. So when, and it's usually around WWDC, sometimes Apple release and the betas of their software, our developers, just like any other developers have access to that. The difference with Jamf, because people always think we've got a step up, you know, we know we're given things before everyone else, but we're not. The difference is that we're completely and utterly dedicated to Apple, which means that every single developer, no matter what they were working on before, all of them start working on this new software so that we can make sure we support not just we're not just compatible with Apple's new releases but we are compatible with every new feature which is really important as and when they're released so that users can start using them straight away you know users love to update with Apple even things like they like using the new emojis and stuff like that as soon as they come out so it's it's not actually that we have an inner circle. We have close relationships with them. We've got close relationships with Microsoft. Microsoft have presented at our last few um, Jamf Nation user conferences. So in terms of what we have access to, it's really no different. What's different is our dedication to the platform. And that's how we manage to... Um, to stay in tune with what Apple are doing. Other companies could choose to do so as well, I think, you know, because they have access to those as well. Another point on on, um, what you were talking about as well earlier is we absolutely follow and build around what Apple are doing. But I think the key thing is Apple are very innovative and 
so are we which means that not only are we I don't want to say following suit but following suit with what Apple are doing we're enhancing what they're doing you know virtual visits is a Jamf and video conferencing workflow so we've taken the incredible device that is the iPhone its security features its amazing cameras and we've built a workflow to enhance that Apple device for people in healthcare. So I think that's another way that we stand above the rest is that we're not looking to just manage what Apple give us. We're not looking to just support the features that they they give us. We're looking to take it so many steps further and build other solutions so that Apple becomes an even stronger candidate in um, enterprise or, or healthcare. Well, that yeah, that focus is is such a key element, and there's overlaps with our business there because ASM work with companies like Jamf, innovative, disruptive, mm. kind of niche vendors that have got that focus, and and ourselves are so focused on interesting vendors like yourself rather than that whole broader IT landscape of products that we talk a lot to our customers about that same thing. Why are we good at what we do? It's because we've sort of picked a picked an area and chose to focus on it. So I yeah. think again, that's another overlap between your business and ours. And clearly, that's a really important element of the success of both of our businesses. Really, so that's that's really interesting to learn about. Uh, and I did watch a, a video about the Jamf working with Microsoft on Apple devices. So. That was something else that I learned that I didn't know. You know, the whole them and us sort of Microsoft over mm -hmm. here, Apple over there. It, it's great that you're bridging that gap and coming up with solutions where you can use one platform on the other device. So that's something else I've learned. Yeah, totally. Those partnerships are really, really important. And even when I was at Apple, people used to say the same, say, think that Apple and Microsoft weren't friends, but they absolutely are. And that's because they realized early on and we realized you, we're only going to have a better product when we work together. So, yeah, super important. Yeah, that's the, the whole industry's come together. And like I said, it's we can be proud of what the IT industry is doing out there in, in the community at the minute to help. So you told us about Jamf. You told us a little bit about your travel experience earlier, the tropical diseases, the experience in Sierra mm -hmm. Leone. How, you know, are there any other stories or which is the most memorable story from your travel experiences? And let's face it, you're going to places that most of us wouldn't wouldn't think to go or haven't had the opportunity to go. What's what's one of the more memorable experiences and how have you applied that to to your career, your work or your interest in technology? Yeah. Great question. I know I already spoke about Sierra Leone, but I would have to say it's probably one of the most interesting places I've been to. How I even ended up there was quite random, actually. I'd recently broken up with someone and decided that I was just going to say yes to as many things as possible and, and try things and push myself completely out of my comfort zone. I ended up singing a Mozart Requiem in a, in a church. I've never sung in a choir before. It was in Latin. It was... I was basically just making noises, if I'm being honest. One of my friends, when I was at Apple, she came back. So her name's Lena. She came back from lunch and said to me, hey, what do you think about running a marathon in Sierra Leone? And I said, no. <laughs> and she went, okay, what about a half? And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. No problem. And I, without question, and because if I think about things, I don't end up doing them and I'm terrible with organization. So I said, no problem. Where's the link? She sent me the link. It turns out there was a London meetup about it that very night, which she ended up not being able to go to. So I went to it and I just thought this is brilliant. So I signed up to it. I'd only ever been to Northern Africa before. I'd been to Morocco once. I hadn't been to any of the other countries in Africa before. I was really keen to to get over there and, and see what it, you know, see what Western Africa was like and see it. Sierra Leone is on the West Coast and it's got some stunning places. To be fair, they really sold me when they said an old bounty advert on this beautiful beach with white sand and palm trees is where it was filmed. So I thought, great. <laughs> um, it's like a screen screensaver picture. Yeah. Oh, it honestly is. And then, yeah, we just, we went and I didn't really do much practice because I don't even know why I didn't. I ran once, I was doing like 5k runs, but a half is 21 kilometers roughly. We went out there and I was, I was expecting to do it more as an adventure experience, but 
honestly, I just had this sense of peacefulness when I was out there. People don't have anything, yet they are incredibly happy. I'm not saying everyone's always happy all the time, but they were so happy, so welcoming, so nice. You know, we went out and the charity I did it with Street Child are great because they take you out for four days and you go and um, visit the projects that they're working on. So you really get to see where the money you're fundraising is going. And I think that's really important. And it's why I'm such an advocate for Street Child now. If they hadn't have done that, I don't think I would, you know, be be so um, bought into what the charity are doing met the CEO out there as well, which was great. But they basically, the the charity Street Child run the Sierra Leone Marathon. And people come from countries all around. Plus there were about, I think, 90 people that came over from Europe, mostly from the UK, um, to take part in the marathon or half on, in my case. And then we ran it. And I just loved the country. It was just, it's absolutely stunning. The ground is like this orangey red earthy color and it's so lush and tropical uh, yeah I just learned so much about the way of living there the civil war what happened building the country how they the education system runs over there and you just forget that things are so different sometimes you just forget what goes on in the rest of the world and I was so happy to learn all about it and how street child were helping the rural schools and some of the urban schools and with their kids so that was fantastic but running's really not my thing so I always said I wanted to go back and I was going to go and volunteer for a period of time but Jamf wanted me to start quite quickly so I thought I'll start at Jamf and I, I, I can still go back to Sierra Leone at one point and then they came up with Ride Sierra Leone and I'm a keen cyclist I did Land's End to John O'Groats when I was 11 so that was like 1069 miles so I thought I can do this because this is a 350 kilometer bike ride I'm older stronger now through Sierra Leone covering loads of different parts of the country and I just fell so I signed up and, and went and I fell completely and utterly even more in love with the country I cannot it's just the most beautiful country I think I've ever been to and people were just absolutely delightful so we we went into some very rural villages where people made us lunches and dinners it it was just a fantastic fantastic experience and it will always hold a very you know strong place in my heart that country so it was absolutely fantastic I I loved it I was cycling with seven complete strangers I got to learn all about them we had police officers and a couple who just moved to Germany and uh, one uh, a medic so she does all of the she's a medic for all of these crazy adventures that she gets to go on all these brilliant brilliant people and that for me was great I love meeting new people learning about them so I would have to say Sierra Leone is it was is my favorite place and I've always gone well I went with one friend last time but I went on my own this time and I quite like doing an adventure on my own I think it pushes you again more out of your comfort zone to engage with the people around you and I always put my phone on flight mode from the minute I take you know we take off in London from the airport and I don't turn it back on until I get back and it forces you to first of all relax (laughs) and it also forces you to really consume the environment around you and the people and you are looking at everything that's going on instead of looking at your phone and if I could give anyone some advice it would be go away for one week every year and only communicate with the people that are around you which I think is very important probably uh probably harder to do than most people imagine given the way that we've become addicted to our devices but did you feel challenged I know it's a challenge to go out there and do what you did but did you feel sort of challenged constantly or did this sort of peacefulness and gratitude and these feelings that you had overwhelmed the feeling of being challenged you know did did it balance itself out I thought that the cycle was going to be more challenging the challenging part is that you only have the food that you've got with you Um, you're obviously in a country where food isn't you know it's still not accessible to everyone and you have to be mindful of that the biggest challenge for me I eat a lot of (laughs) I think I might have mentioned before I eat a lot of food the cycling itself wasn't so bad when we stopped you really felt the heat of the country and it was like 30 you know plus degrees and very very humid because it was still the rainy season was ending 
So the biggest challenge for me, I think, was just feeling slight, slightly exhausted or tired from that. But yeah, in all honesty, like it still had enough challenge to keep me entertained. But I, I could have I could have just sat there for a week <laughs> and walked around. It's just you just learn so many things. And I think that's the important part. If you are going to do something and you, you're not going to have your phone, go to actively learn something because otherwise you will get bored learn about the trees, learn about the food that is on the road. Why is the food on the road? Well, they're drying the spices so that they can ground them up and, you know, go go to immerse yourself in, in a different culture and, and learn those things. And that, I think, challenges your mind and challenges what you know to be a, a normal day for you, I think is the biggest thing. But yeah, the peacefulness and the friendly nature of everyone out there overwhelms everything else. And switching off your phone. That's a big that's a big yeah, takeaway from that as well. That phone yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So it's been really interesting. I want to sort of summarize what, what we've been through. We've covered so much and uh, it's interesting listening to your stories. But so for me it's um, you know, get your act together, a little bit of pre planning in a lockdown type situation sets mm. you up with a, a good environment to be in. That's gotta be helpful. Uh, I'd say be grateful to innovators like Jamf for people being able to communicate in difficult times. I think be grateful to the IT industry for, you know, getting out there and thinking about solving these sort of problems. And then I'd maybe say, obviously, I'm going to take from this conversation, travel when you get the opportunity, challenge yourself. It will probably teach you lessons about life that you can bring back and it will make you more grateful about your job your career and your whole situation so yeah, yeah. totally and I'd it's, only add also grateful to the NHS of course for being amazing <laughs> with, um, yes, they're, they're, well. they're top they're the top of the heroes yeah. list without, without <laughs> a shadow of doubt but no it's been great hearing about the the sort of a lot of it's about people the technology is about delivering stuff for the people and, and all these businesses in our industry are definitely people driven so that's that's really encouraging to hear. So it's been a real pleasure to speak to you. Thanks for taking the time today. And obviously, I look forward to ASM and Jamf doing some great business together with our customers going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. No problem. One last question. I think I might know the answer to this already, but the weather's been really good in May. OK, if the UK weather was always as good as it's been in May, and you weren't allowed to travel to another country, where would you go for a staycation? Oh, great question. I have only been once and I really want to go back to the Lake District because I just love nature, not buildings. I much prefer, despite living in London. I love just seeing green everywhere and I love water. Not getting in it, absolutely petrified, like unbelievably terrified of getting in a lake. I would just be screaming the whole time, but just looking at the water and a sunset and, you know, a nice glass of wine. Perfect. Brilliant. That was my choice as well. I'm obviously I'm Northwest based. We're a, a Northwest headquartered business. So absolutely. My choice was also the Lake District. Oh, so nice. Fingers crossed when everything gets back to normal, we will be able to go and explore those lovely places as well as all those countries overseas. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. We hope you enjoyed some of the superb conversation here from Elizabeth and Stephen. We're going to be releasing even more episodes with even more fantastic guests over the next few weeks and months. So make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss out. If you'd enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review on your podcast app of choice. Finally, if you'd like to find out more about what we do here at ASM, head over to our website at asmtech.com.